This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Great start, and um, you know, made a couple of a couple of mistakes to get them uh, some looks, and and you know, in the end, we like our spot there, going into the third, up three-two, and can't get out of that uh, PK there. And, you know, after that, it was you know just a goal goaltending duel there for sure. And, you know, we would have loved to have found a way there with uh, the power play, and, but at the end of the day. I thought both goalies played really well and denied all our looks. Ryan McDonough after the game in St. Louis the other night, a game where the Lightning lost, but that's okay. They picked up a point, and now they take on the Blues again tonight mm-hmm. at Amelie Arena. Greg Linelli with you. Dave Mishkin is with me. He'll be doing the call with the Hall of Famer Phil Esposito. Steve Ersnick is our producer. We've got one hour of some hockey talk for you. We have the pregame skate show at 6 with Brian Burns and Bobby the Chief Taylor. 6.30, I'll have the pregame show. And then, of course, Dave and Phil. So there we are. Looks like Vassy will be in net tonight. Not a surprise there. Stammer skated as well, which is a good sign. And I think, Dave, you know what's interesting? I think a lot of... A lot of fans, I get a lot of these questions after every game is, hey, Greg, do you have an update on Braden Point? Do you have an update on Nikita Kucherov? When do you think those guys are going to be back? And I think you brought up a good point yesterday during the show is that don't know when that's going to be, but what we do know is all things considered and hopefully everything's going well with the rehab, those players are going to be back at some point this season in during the regular season. And I think... The experience these guys are getting, meaning a lot of these rookies, but even some of the veterans, Dave, who are playing with different guys, you know, they get 30, 40 games in with some of these players that they're not used to playing with over the last, you know, couple of years. That bodes well. You know, it's going to take probably Cooch and Point a few games to fill in sync, but I, I think because of where the Lightning are right now in the standings, still munching points, still plugging away, once they do get some of those reinforcements... It's, it's really going to feel like a new team in many ways. Yeah, I think it's important to keep in mind that, at least based on the timetables that were given, Kucherov and Point are going to be back for the second half of the year. I feel comfortable saying that. It may be more than the second half of the year, or in Point's case, if, if the, the rehab takes him to the six-week end of the four to six weeks, Maybe you're looking at a little less than half a season. That's still a lot of hockey to be played. But in the meantime, we're seeing these other guys get more minutes and more responsibility, and that is going to help them, particularly if they continue to do as well as they have done. And the backdrop to all of this is that the Lightning are in a good spot in the standings. It would be different if they were sitting where the Islanders are sitting right now, where the Islanders started losing, and then they lost a bunch of players to COVID protocols. Right. Then they had games suspended, and they're just like, we just need to get our guys back so we can start winning. We need to start winning yesterday to make up ground. The Lightning are not in that situation. I think that's what you're getting at. That Yes. <laughs> it's yes. not like we're counting the minutes until Point and Kucherov come back because they absolutely need those guys – to pull themselves out of a disadvantageous standings position. They are they are not in the Islanders' boat. They are not in Chicago's boat. 
pick a team that's near the bottom of the standings in any division, they are in a way different spot. And I, I think I, I need to reinforce this, Dave, and I think we have talked about this, but you know, I, I'm looking at the standings, and you're right. You look at the Islanders, 17 games in. Now, they're going to have a lot of games to make up, as you pointed out yesterday, and they're going to have a lot of home games. But understand where they are in the standings. They're second to last in the Eastern Conference. They've lost eight in a row, and Dave, they've got 12 points. So Pittsburgh yeah. right now is occupying that last wild card spot. They've got 25 points. Now, they've played six more games than the Islanders. You acknowledge that. But when you take a look at the Islanders' problems, and then you look at the team that they have, I've always maintained, I think that's a team that's built more for the playoffs than the regular season. I think you get Barry Trotz in a seven-game series, Dave, and I think you you ask them to play a certain way where it's not necessarily run and gun. Not saying every regular season game is, but there is a, a structure that's in place that you need in the playoffs to be successful. And I feel like the Islanders' team is probably more suited for the playoffs and for playoff success more so than the regular season. Not to say they won't win a lot of games in the regular season, but I think you understand where I'm going with that. I don't know if they make the playoffs. You take a look at a team like Montreal, a mm -hmm. team that was in the Stanley Cup Finals last year. They are right ahead of the Islanders. They've played seven more games, Dave, but they've got two more points. I mean, right off the bat, Philly is starting to fade away. Boston, you know, they're up and down. DeBrusque once traded. Marchand's been suspended three games. He's had some problems. And then you've got Columbus, who's a surprise team. And I'm not sure if if they stay afloat, but give them credit. They've been, they've been pretty good through 20 games. But what I'm saying is, you know, we tend to look at the Lightning and take them for granted with their personnel, and rightfully so. But they're doing a lot of – they're staying above water right now without two of their best offensive players not only on the team but in the league. And there are some teams, Dave, who are dealing with that same issue, maybe a little bit more, but they certainly are struggling with marquee guys out, and they haven't handled that situation as well. So I know the Lightning have a lot of talent, but I think, I think we need to reinforce every once in a while to our audience what they are doing. Yes, there are some flaws in each game that we can point to. John Cooper can sit there and say, we've made a couple of egregious errors, and it's hurting us in some of these games. Okay, I grant you that. They're playing at times five rookies in this lineup, and they have two of the best offensive players out of the lineup, period. And they are still finding a way to munch points, and they are five points behind Florida for second place in that Atlantic with a game in hand, understanding that Florida and Toronto, really, who's leading the Atlantic, have had really good stretches mm -hmm. this year. Toronto is on an I mean, they're on fire. Yeah, street. they're on fire. But, you know, I, who cares? I mean, you know, if I, I'm right. looking at Toronto, I'm like, all right, well, what are you going to do in the playoffs? Yeah, Probably same thing with the, Florida. The everlasting question. Right. But, like, I, I think it's just more of a, you know what? Lightning are doing pretty good. Look at some of the other teams. They're not handling the adversity as well as the Lightning. And some, some teams are facing more adversity than others. I understand that. But I think acknowledge what the Lightning are doing. Understand there's room for improvement. But also understand that, you know, it, it, it's, it's pretty good right now. It's pretty good. Well, if I can take a macro point of view, and I know that's normally yes. your department. I love macros. I know. So each division is getting anywhere from three to five teams into the playoffs. The top three are automatically in. And then four and five, it's contingent on what the other division in your conference 
how that how that division is faring. As the Islanders and the Flyers have stumbled here, and they have. I mean, the Islanders lost eight in a row, all in regulation. That's that's brutal. like an anchor. Yeah, that's fastened awful. to your ankle. Yeah. The Flyers have lost three in a row in regulation, and they are just two, six, and two in their last ten. So things have really turned badly for them, really going back to the time the Lightning saw them. I think that's that was ten games ago, if I'm not mistaken, or close to it, because they were coming off a win. Might have gone a couple of games before that, but they'd beaten Calgary in overtime before the Lightning saw them in Philly. That was the shootout win the Lightning had. And, you know, you referenced Columbus. They they got off to a great start, but they've lost two in a row. And, I, and they may be in the mix here. But basically what I'm saying is three weeks ago, it looked like the Metropolitan Division was going to be extremely deep from top to bottom, which could have meant that the Lightning's Division, the Atlantic, might be looking at only three teams getting in. If, if that other division was going to have that many teams battling for contention, it might mean that they might get five teams in. Now the dynamic might change a little bit. And again, this is a macro statement. I'm not saying that this is definitely happening as we speak on, what, December 2nd, <laughs> okay? But just a trend to keep in mind that if some other teams in the Metro falter like the Islanders have, it opens the door for maybe a fourth or potentially a fifth team in the Atlantic to get in. And two teams I'm confident saying right now are going to be facing a very tough road in the Atlantic are Montreal and Ottawa. Yes. Definitely. There's no question. And then Buffalo, we talk about playoff pace. I mean, Buffalo is way behind playoff pace now. Now, you don't need to be at playoff pace to make the playoffs. We've talked about that. But you can... Basically, if not assure yourselves, give yourself a great opportunity to get in the playoffs. If it's not 100%, it's it's a high percentage if you can stay at playoff pace. But, you know, the Sabres are at 22 games. You want to be at 24 points through 20 games. They're at 19 points. So to stay at playoff pace in the next eight games, they need to get somehow to 36 points. That's 17 points they need. Again, looking at playoff pacing, which is the way you can kind of get a sense of where a team is standing at this point, as opposed to trying to figure out, all right, this team has games like you talked about. You know, the Islanders have games in hand, and can they catch a team? I mean, that is important, particularly if you have two teams that are below playoff pace and one of them is in a playoff position, right. you can you can catch that team. But I'm looking at this division right now in the Atlantic and I'm like Montreal and Ottawa are way back and Buffalo has stumbled after an okay start. Not a great start, but an okay start. But they're three, six, and one, sure. the Sabres are in their last ten. So, you know, you can do the math. That leaves five teams. And it's possible the Atlantic will get five teams in the playoffs. So all this is good news for the Lightning. That's a, this is my long winded point. I'm coming back to to where we started. The Lightning in the face of injuries in the face of some adversity, have been able to get points, put themselves in a good position, and the fact that some other teams in the East have hit a pretty significant speed bump here helps the Lightning's division 
and helps the Lightning. And the other thing, too, is, you know, we're looking at, at some of these teams that have surprised us, possibly. And we saw Detroit earlier. Yep. I mean, do we think Detroit is going to continue this pace? Part of that is an unknown because of some of the younger players they have, Dave. That could go either way. But, you know, really without seeing a ton of the games they played outside of taking on the Lightning, and that was a, a back-and-forth contest, I mean, they've won four in a row. Bertuzzi just won on the COVID list. Yeah. And he's and been I one hope, of their better I players. I hope he's going to be okay because we know he was not vaccinated. Yeah. And so we'll see how that how that plays out. But, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know if Detroit is a playoff team at this point. I mean, kudos – Steve Eisman and and getting a, a group together that might be able to win some games there. They have some younger players that I think we impressed us and and looked at their high end ability and mm-hmm. and they may be a team that might be able to knock off Boston. You know, again, do you think Boston's going to be there? Typically, they find a way, but you know, they, we talk about these teams that have been at the top for a long time. At some point, they do come back down. Yeah. Is that going to be Boston's situation? We just don't know. But I still think when you look at the Lightning's division. Toronto, Florida, and Tampa Bay, that really hasn't changed much. I mean, people can get excited about Toronto, fine. Florida probably had the most hype coming into the season. And the Lightning, a lot of people just felt like, you know, they're going to be there. Can they make it a three-peat, which is extremely hard to do? It's nothing against their roster. It's just the the statistical implications of them trying to to do something nobody really has done since the late 70s, early 80s. But that part hasn't changed. It's just interesting, the, the teams behind them, how we're seeing the shuffling going on. Mm -hmm. And we may continue to see that, Dave, especially with injuries and COVID protocols and how teams are handling all of this. Well, and just to to kind of put things not in perspective, but to, to clarify things in a really definitive way, Toronto has had a great stretch, and they've had a good year so far. And I think that most people would have said going into the season, yeah, the Maple Leafs, all things being equal, should be a playoff team. But they're at 35 points. They have a 26-point lead on Ottawa. Yeah. 26! Montreal, playing the same number of games, is 21 points behind Toronto. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think the Leafs are thinking right now, boy, we better better keep going because we might miss the playoffs if we if we stumble a little bit here. They shouldn't be thinking that. Yeah. But again, the math the math becomes hardened in a way the farther you get along here. Even the Sabres, the Sabres are 16 points behind Toronto. The Sabres themselves only have 19 total points this year. Right. So we're going to say those three teams are going to have an extremely difficult time catching Toronto. Now, if you're the Leafs, you're like, we got to be in the top three, and there are really five teams, including us, that are in the mix here. I mean, they have just put themselves in a wonderful position. I mean, we've seen that some of the years with the Lightning, particularly the year that they won 62, where, I mean, you just jump out to a gallop to a huge lead, and then it becomes like, let's just keep our – Keep our car moving well here. Let's make sure we're playing well, even though we're not feeling the pressure of a team's footsteps right behind us in the standings. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you can put yourself in a position to manage the second half of the year 
if you're in a spot like Toronto is and you're not yes. worrying about, oh, my gosh, if we go into a little bit of a skid here, we might miss the playoffs. That's not We're, entering their calculus at this point. I'm not a big believer of how you finish translates to how you start the playoffs. Right. And we've talked about that. And I think that's been proven out with the Lightning. Past, yeah. and, I, and, and some people disagree with me on that, but I'll I'll judge and, tr- and trust you know my own eyes with that. I mean, especially with a team like the Lightning. Uh, it may be different for another team like Toronto, who maybe is not as mentally strong at this point in the playoffs as a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning are. But where you would get concerned, I think, if you're a Maple Leafs fan, is that if you get off to a great start, the second half of the season, you really start to drop in play and you kind of limp into the playoffs. I, I do think that may have a psychological effect on the Maple right. Leafs because they don't have the the credibility to just turn the switch on in the playoffs like the Lightning may have had over the last couple of years. That's where that can get a little dangerous. That's more of a mind game thing, I think, yeah, than anything the second, else. The second half of the year is, is a lot of hockey, so they might sure. hit a skid. And again, we're projecting here, which you know how I feel about that. Love let's projecting. just say for the sake of argument, they hit a skid after the Olympic break in mid-March, but they have time to kind of pull things back together, you know, for the stretch run. That happens sometimes. The year the Lightning went 23-2-1 and and basically pulled themselves out of the muck and into an advantageous standings position. This is before we paused the season. They they finished before we paused the season in their final 10 games that regular season, 3-6-1. and one. So they weren't playing their best at that point. But that can happen. Sometimes you have such a tremendous run over a long period of time, you put yourself in a comfortable position, you do exhale a little bit. For sure. The key is then to to make sure if your if your game is going sideways a little bit to get things straightened out before the playoffs begin. Exactly. I, I want to take a break because I have some questions coming in and we're going to get to those dealing with the lineup possibly and Forte's play and, and where he slots in possibly tonight. Matthew Joseph did not practice, so we'll talk more about that when we return. He is Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linnelli. Steve Ersink is producing. It is Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Think you can accurately predict each Lightning game? Try your luck with the Lightning Pick 8, presented by your local Honda dealers. Answer eight questions and make predictions before every Bolts game for a chance to win autographed items or Lightning tickets. Play all season long for the chance to win the grand prize of a two-year lease on a 2022 Honda Civic Sedan LX. Lightning Pick 8 can be played through the NHL app. No purchase necessary. Restrictions apply. Visit tampabaylightning.com slash lightningpick8 for full rules, prize info, odds, and other details. Void where prohibited. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Glad you're with us here. It is a game night. The Lightning taking on the Blues, and that'll be a 7 o'clock start. We'll start all our pregame coverage at 6 with the pregame skate show. Brian Burns and Bobby the Chief Taylor have you covered there at 6.30. I'll have various analysts and player sound bites, coaches sound bites, play throughouts leading into Dave and Phil's call. After 7, of course, then we have the last call with Jay Retcher and Brian Engblom. So we've got you covered here on Lightning Power Play. We are talking about the Lightning start, but also, too, just where it ranks in conjunction with some of these other teams in the conference, the starts they've gotten off to, both good and bad, and kind of where does that put them 20, 25 games into the season? Although, if you're the Islanders, you've played less, but certainly limping along and not in a good spot. Hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio. Dave, let's get to some questions here, and then we'll get into a few other topics related to the Lightning in the game tonight. This comes from Bolts Hockey Guy. 
He says, with Coop praising Fortier after the St. Louis game, do you think it's possible he stays in the lineup when Joseph returns and Barry Boulay comes out? Yeah, that's projecting a little bit down the road, and I am not comfortable doing that. What we know is that Joseph was not skating this morning. So yes. I think Stamp goes returns and Fortier is in. Yes. And let's see let, let's see how Fortier does in game two now. Yes. So let Can me Can he build on what he did well, particularly in the second half of the game on Tuesday? Let me let me go a step further. I think Fortier whenever Joseph does come back, will be will be sent back down. Barring him scoring a hat trick, Dave, or, or really yeah. doing something dynamite. I just Barry Boulay, I think at this point... Now, look, I think there's a conversation to be had when everybody else does come back, meaning Kucherov and points. The Kachuks, the Radishes, and the Barry Boulays, Dave, all of them will not be in the lineup at once. Right. And In fact, it's going to be one of those guys. And then they have a decision to make. Again, this is assuming there are no injuries. That's when a tough decision yeah. will need to be made. We're not there yet. But I don't think Barry Boulay is that guy that's coming out because Fortier is is doing well, and now you have to make a decision when Joseph comes back, who do you want to sit? I, I think it's going to be Fort. I think he's that first prospect that's coming out of the lineup whenever Joseph does come back. And let me So let me circle back, and I'll try and answer the question in a way that's a little more satisfying than me just punting to you, which I kind of did. So I will look at it this way. Joseph is day-to-day. Coop said that looks like he's going to come on the road trip. So he's close to returning. So let's say Fortier continues to play well, and he's on the roster, and Joseph returns. One consideration is, does it make sense for the Lightning to carry an extra forward? Which at this point, they are not carrying an extra forward. There are some cap considerations there. I don't have the answers to that, but the Lightning have an idea. So that may that may supersede any questions about who do you want in the lineup, <laughs> who is going to play over somebody else. The reality is Correct. that if the Lightning decide that it doesn't make sense for them to keep 13 forwards, they can send Fortier down and he is waiver exempt. As we know, Barry Boulay is not. He was because he was within that 30-day, 10-game window from when they reclaimed him. But I think that window, if I'm not mistaken, has passed at this point. The other part of this is that if the Lightning decide that they only want 12 forwards and Joseph is back, so then you have to make this decision, this hypothetical decision, I would think it would behoove Fortier more to go to Syracuse and play a lot rather than be potentially in and out of the lineup or play a little with the Lightning. And that's not true just of him. It's true of any young player. The other side of the coin, though, is the Lightning may decide to keep 13. They have a lot of games coming up, and they are on the road, and they're going to Canada. Correct. I don't know how difficult it is if you have an injury and you're down to 11 forwards to get somebody to Canada. I don't have the answer to that. I know that we have some protocols that we have to go through when we cross the border because we did it earlier this year and we're going to be doing it again. So basically what I'm spelling out is 
other than the point that Fortier, if he's not going to be playing for the Lightning, I think they want him to play and play a lot in Syracuse. All the other considerations are related to roster size, cap situation, road trip, crossing the border, and those are organizational decisions that we don't make. But we'll, well talk about the, them once those decisions yeah, are made. Especially the cap situation. If you don't want Forte sitting and assuming cap is not an issue, and let's say Joseph returns on this road trip coming up. Then you we, can answer the question, which was posed by Bolt's fan guy or whatever yeah, his, yeah. his handle was. So I guess he's saying, with Joseph back in the lineup, who is the next guy to sit or who is the 12th forward in yeah, this, I, in and, this situation and, and I just I don't have an answer for that I think there are other questions that will get answered first before you get to that point I like, would think, are they going to keep 13 yeah so if they keep 13 I almost would rather have like a Dumont up here as a spare forward than Fortier and have Fortier just go back down and play on a regular basis. Does that make sense, Dave? I mean, yeah, I, it does. He's a younger guy. I and like I said before, I don't think Barry Boulay, Kachuk and Radish are coming out at any point due to, outside of an injury at this point right now until Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov come back. I think when those guys come back, then I think it's going to be a very interesting question which of those guys is going to be sitting because Dave, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they're going to have a surplus of forwards when those guys yeah. come back and those three guys I mentioned, they're going to have to clear waivers, correct? If if you were going to send them down. But I don't know that they're going to have a surplus of forwards. You're allowed 23. 23 so, I mean, right now, right. Right. let's just say this. Without Fortier, the Lightning are at 12 forwards. So if you're going to add Point and Kucherov, now you're at 14 forwards. Mm-hmm. Even with seven defensemen, and the two goalies, you're at 23. So you could you could add those players and not have to send anybody down. The question is, do the Lightning want to carry 23? And all of this is... That's cap. Is, That's is, more of a cap issue, correct? Right, I and all think. of this is going yeah. to... Like, your first statement when we addressed this topic was subsequent injuries, which we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what is going to happen. We may be looking at a situation in which if Kucherov is going to be the first guy back, and I don't know that he is, but but let's just say one of the two is going to come back before the other. When that first player is ready to return, maybe there's somebody else who's hurt. Well, and the other thing, too, is, and, and we don't like to, we're getting way, way into yeah. the weeds here, but I'll, I'll make a but last But the question point. was asked. It's a very so fair question. So I think that we should try and answer it. It's a very fair as, question. With as much insight as we can, and what I keep coming back to is, there's there's some stuff we just don't know. We don't know how the Lightning are going to view keeping 13 versus 12, road trip, Canada, cap situation, all of that. And then also we don't know even Joseph. Like when Joseph is ready to return, will there be another player who will have been banged up? And like I said, d- depending, and a lot of that is probably going to be cap related more so than performance. Because I, my personal belief is, I, I don't think if if push comes to shove and they have a full roster, that they want to risk losing one of those players to waivers. Because I think if those guys are sent down, Dave, the way right. they are playing right now, I think they will be claimed. 
I don't think I'm telling you anything that is outside the lines there. That's probably more of a compliment to the young players than anything else. And I think that's just speaking in reality. Sometimes we need these blunt conversations. I always believe that if that's the case and Julian Breezewell is put in a position where he needs to make a decision and maybe it's cap related, maybe it's just personnel, how many forwards they want to keep on the roster and they don't want to risk losing one or two of those guys to waivers, then I think you could see a trade being made because I think he'd rather get something for those guys than risk losing them for nothing, assuming that's the position he is put in. A lot to digest there. Yeah. We're not there yet. You asked me about uh, Barry Boulay. I think he stays in the lineup. Yeah, until they and get that was more really the question. And but, they get until they get more reinforcements. But let me finish with this, and I think this is going to clarify things for the fans because when the Lightning set their opening night roster, they did put Barry Boulay on waivers. But the reason they put him on waivers is they made the choice to keep twenty-two. They yes. could have kept twenty-three. Yes. So that tells you that. If we were excluding any guy that may come up from Syracuse who is waiver eligible, like a Dumont, <laughs> the Lightning do not have to send any of their existing group of players that are waiver eligible through waivers. <laughs> there is nobody that, like, there's no player coming back that would necessitate, based on how many players they are eligible to keep, there is no gun to their head saying, we need to make a move here to to clear a roster spot and the player that we have to move to Syracuse is going to have to clear waivers. That is not the case unless somehow they add another player through a trade and they don't, yes. and they don't move a player. Right. Yes. So I think that that's, that's probably the best way to think about it as it relates to this waiver question, which is there's nobody that has to go down as the roster is currently situated that would have to clear waivers unless and we the should say, choose to do that like they did sure. with Barry Boulay at the start of the year it's a fair point Coop also said uh, today that uh, Kucherov likely not back until after the new year he's inching closer to skating Braden points could return before Kucherov all right so I there said Kucherov before point but I mean one of them is going to come back before the other yes. unless somehow they come back on the very same day which seems unlikely. But. This this question came from Primo Writer. How about that? What do we know about Braden Point's injury? Well, we just gave you an update there. Who's the next Wonderkins to be called up? How many does that make? Six rookies? Well, if you include Colton as a rookie, and I, we'd have to look at the official games played to see if he is disqualified from being called a rookie, but let's just put Colton in that category for now. You have what, five forward rookies and then Cal Foot? That would be six. Yeah, so is that right? My math I right? am going to, best I can here, I'm going to look up and see if Colton qualifies as a rookie. But who are the five rookies? So and right Foot now. Too. So it's based on number of games played in a year. So if you play, like Barry Boulay played 15 games last year, that's not enough no. to burn your rookie status, basically. So Barry Blay is a rookie. Clearly, Radish and Kachuk, and Kachuk are rookies. To me, Colton is not a rookie, but again, we didn't have a full season last year, and he didn't start the year in the NHL. So his games played number is lower, 
And again, just off the top of my head, I don't know what that threshold number is. The same with foot. They're right on the bubble. But to me, it's like you're calling them a rookie. But do we really think of Ross Colton as a rookie? I mean... To be considered a rookie, a player must not have played in more than 25 NHL games in any preceding seasons, nor in six or more NHL games in any two preceding seasons. All right. So Colton is not a rookie. How many games did Foote play last year? Foote shouldn't be a rookie either then by that, right? I mean, he played more than 25, didn't he? I mean, he didn't play in the playoffs, but... That doesn't matter, though. Right. Foote played 35 games last year. So he's not a rookie. Yeah. So right now they've got... What, so you got three, the three. The three guys. But it's still a relatively... Are we forgetting anyone? I don't think we are. Barboulet, 14. Colton played Kachuk. 30 last year. So he yeah. was actually closer to to not meeting that threshold than foot. But he played every playoff game. Yeah. So I, guess I mean, they have a lot of young count. guys in the lineup, if that's the route you want to go. But you asked specifically rookies. And no, they're not at six. They would they're not at, at six. No, they would be at four. With Forte, Barboulet. With Fortier, yes. Currently on the roster. Currently on the roster, they've got four. Who's the next guy to come up young uh, from a, a younger prospect position? Don't know. I'd have to do well, a Well, look, on that. at the start of training camp, the, the fourth guy Ryfors, right? was Ryfors. Yeah. He is acclimating to the North American game, though. Yes. So I don't know that he is going to be the next guy to come up. Look, I think the Lightning are are excited by Gonsalves, and he's in his, you know, basically his rookie year. So, you see this with, do you see this with Jordan Biddington? Mm-hmm. So he's on the – he's been placed on COVID protocols. They called up uh, Charlie Lindgren. So. Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about this yesterday. Bozak – Bozak went on the COVID list. And now we see Bennington on the COVID list. Teams are having having spread issues. And this is why it's so hard to talk about who's going to be where at the end of the season. Because as long as these protocols are in place, if you test positive for COVID and you've got to sit, it I mean, like the lightning could be hit hard with COVID and mm-hmm. guys have to sit. And it just, you know, for two weeks, you're you're playing a bit shorthanded. Now, I think the Lightning have handled that a lot better just with injuries than some. Yeah. But, I mean, in some ways, it's really hard to fault the Islanders for the position they're in, going back to that conversation we had in segment one. I mean, I, I just think this this year is probably a little bit more unique than others based off of the X factor, which is which is COVID, because, A, that could hit at any time, and, B, how many players have to sit. Yeah. And this is where I think the NHL, and you and I, Dave, had this conversation before we go to break. This is where I think the NHL needs to be a little bit more flexible with, A, postponing games, which they have, but I, they may need to do more of it. But also, B, having more of a taxi squad in place to expand your roster and to give people a little bit of a leeway when it comes to the salary cap. Yeah. Because if the salary cap wasn't going to be raised, which it wasn't, and most teams, every team understood that because of the COVID issue you were losing money, the salary cap was not going to be raised. Maybe a million here, maybe a million there. But that's through no fault of the the teams. That is the league saying to themselves, look, we're, we're powering through, but understanding because we're doing that and because we force teams 
basically to play without any fans in the stands for an extended period of time, or at least recommended it, that it put a lot of those teams behind the eight ball. And that's through no fault of their own. So because of that, I think the league, and I, I had mentioned this before the season started, needed to do a better job of implementing perhaps more of a taxi squad situation for teams to be able to shuffle guys back and forth without it really affecting the salary cap. Because if you have five, six, seven guys out and they test positive, even if they're not symptomatic and they've been vaccinated, Dave, which we have seen, guys who are vaccinated can get COVID. Yeah. What is that saying about how you're trying to get a team for that night to play if multiple guys are sitting because of the protocols you have in place? See, where I come down on this, so you kind of mentioned three possibilities. Salary cap exemption, taxi squad, and postponing games. Of the teams that have had games postponed, I'm not sure that fielding a team was an issue as much as just so many guys out and they were at a competitive disadvantage. They hit a certain number of players that were out, and I don't think Ottawa certainly, I mean, Ottawa had cap space, but I don't think the Islanders were having trouble fielding a team because of of cap complications because they had so many guys out. I may be wrong about that, but the the reason for the taxi squad last year was as much about stricter protocols were in place and the guys on the taxi squad were following the same protocols as the players that were on the NHL roster because they were there with them. It was like almost a modified bubble. Sure. And so you had confidence that if you needed to summon someone from the taxi squad, they were not coming from the outside of your modified bubble in. They don't have those protocols this year. So I guess the fourth question would be, are they going to introduce more strict protocols? And I don't foresee that happening. I mean, I may be wrong, but I just don't think that that the players are going to have an appetite for returning to the stricter protocols that they saw last year, which were no. looser than in the bubble in Toronto and Edmonton. I, I would agree with that. So... I, I... So if the league is not going to reintroduce stricter protocols, and and if you did that, then that would be a reason for a taxi squad. I don't think we're going to start to see a taxi squad. And to the best of my knowledge, even for the teams that had like five, six, seven guys out, it's not like they had a problem fielding a team relating to the cap. I mean, the Blues had earlier this year three or four guys out. We've seen teams with three or four guys out that have been able to manage I think the question is, is it fair, and you kind of touched on this, is it fair, is it right that the Islanders had to use like eight guys from the AHL who maybe were not quite ready for as much as they were asked to do at the NHL level to field a team that looked like that so, because they had a bunch of guys out due to COVID right. protocols. So I think there's two. So that's the suspending of games or postponing yes. games question, which I think is the most logical step which is what the league has done (laughs) so i guess the question is should they be suspending games earlier like when you start to see three or four guys go out does the league just say okay well you're gonna shut it down make sure everyone's healthy we're not gonna force you to play 
with with substitutions. I mean, Bennington may not have been slated to start tonight anyway. I don't know that for a fact, but Billy Huso is their other goalie who has played. He hasn't played as much as Bennington, sure. but he's played this year. But now they got to call up a guy from the minors to be the backup. And so, just for the sake of argument, let's say Huso gets on the COVID list. Now both of your NHL goalies are unavailable to you, and you have to play a guy who is basically slated to be in the minors. And these goalies have not been injured. They just happen to go on the COVID list. And is it is it is it too much of a competitive disadvantage, basically? That's kind of where I'm going with this. So and that's me, a question for the league. So let me answer that question. Uh, by the way, Stamkos is in tonight. If we, yeah. we fail to mention that he is in tonight, foot looks like he's sitting, Dave. So that's kind of uh, the lineup there. Which is what we were expecting to see on Tuesday before Correct. Stamkos left for the birth of his child. Congratulations Correct. to yeah, absolutely. To the that's a too. Fan- he, he's going to have himself a game tonight. <laughs> he should. <laughs> How much least. sleep do you think he's had? In he's the last probably had very little. Thirty six hours, but that's okay. You know, that's uh, the best part of life, no doubt about it, is bringing another one in. Um, so a, a couple of things to that point, and then we'll take a break. Um, one, I think you mentioned, you know, is it fair, you know, with the Islanders and what they went through and do you make that call sooner when it comes to postponing a game? And this is kind of what I brought up yesterday that I I think the league, because of some of these issues, I wouldn't be surprised if the the season is extended into, into the summertime, especially I I think if you're going to go ahead and play the Olympics and I think that's, that opens up a whole can of worms, which is why I think the league is probably nervous the way things are going. I had, had I think Steve had brought this up to me uh, off the air, and I think it's I think it's a valid point as to why they're doing it. But I think something that nobody is talking about, and I keep bringing it up every once in a while because I think eventually, um, and we kind of have our one foot in the pool and the other foot almost approaching uh, the pool and, and going in, but it's it's kind of like halfway there. Is that we accept COVID is here. Everybody in that league is vaccinated except for a couple of players. We have seen vaccinated players give COVID back and forth. So we understand that it's it's mainly for your protection, but it really doesn't prevent you from not getting it and giving it to somebody, uh, especially if somebody is asymptomatic, to get away from all of these, these issues. And again, I understand it's probably more of a legal issue. At some point, I think we're going to have to look at this and say, all right, uh, if a guy does have COVID and he wants to play, he should be able to play. Yeah, we've had this discussion. Yeah. I, I can't see that happening. Yeah, and I, I my, my simple question would just be, why not? Um, you know, everybody's vaccinated. And you're going through all these hurdles of, well, this guy's out and, and this guy's out. Jordan Biddington's out. And, you know, what if he's vaccinated but asymptomatic? And, uh, again, it really doesn't prevent you from not getting it, as we've seen. I think at some point, Dave, they will have to play on with COVID, whether it's this year or next year. Um, I don't know if postponing games and, and putting guys in protocols is going to be something you can continue to do for the next five to ten years. It's just a matter of when, yeah. when the league wants to pull that plug and say, all right, we're just – it's here. We have done all we can. We've gotten guys vaccinated. At this point, some guys might even have booster shots. We don't even know. But I think as long as the league is willing to play these games in an era where there is COVID and everybody has been vaccinated – to avoid some of these hurdles that they are, these teams are facing, it would. Ju- I, and I'd actually it'd be interesting to talk to the players about this privately to see how they would feel about that. Because I'm sure they're going to have to have some agreement from the league and the players' association. What do we want to do here, guys? Right now, I agree with you. I don't. I don't think they're going to change. It is something to think about, particularly for next year, 
because I think at that point we'll have a couple of years now dealing with COVID mm -hmm. and vaccines and booster shots. And I think from yeah. that standpoint, I think the league will have to look at this and say, is it, can, is it feasible for us to continue to see a team like the Islanders possibly have eight players, five players, or any team not play because they're in COVID protocol and then have to really reshuffle and reshape the roster um, because of that? I think it's a fair question. And I think it's some, not only hockey day, but I think every league is probably going to have to face, as we are facing it, uh, as my daughter would say, in real life. And we'll see how that we'll see that how that plays out. So we have some questions still coming in. We'll get into those. But again, Stamkos looks like he's in. Foot will sit. Joseph is still day to day, and Vassy will be in that. Bennington though is not. Maybe an opportunity there for the Lightning to take advantage of that situation. He is Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linnelli. Steve Verstick is our producer. We'll take a break. Back after this on Lightning Power Play. Hey, it's Seth Kushner, host of The Block Party, and we are coming off a big one. We just had Yanni Gord stop by last week. This week, Jan Ruda is on the show. A lot of people don't know Jan Ruda, very, very nice and sneaky funny. I asked Jan a very important question about who the very hairy man on his Instagram is, breaking his ankle on a block shot in the playoffs, and trying to embrace Thanksgiving. It's Jan Ruda on the block party wherever you get your podcast. Download it twice. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Glad you're with us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Of course, you can listen to the game tonight, Dave and Phil, on the call. But our coverage will begin at 6 with the pregame skate show. Burnsy and Chief have got you covered there. I'm sure they'll talk about Stammer coming back. And uh, being in the lineup, Joseph out, Vassy in. And uh, Fortier stays in, foot out. I think I, I just said that. But uh, curious to see how many goals Stamco scores tonight. We'll see how that uh, plays out. Al says, I want to see 10 or 16 in the bumper spot on the power play. Easier one-timer from the pass coming from the right boards or down low. Man, or down low, man enforces backside defender to get closer to bumper to prevent one-timer from the slot. Oh, we got to use some periods in here, buddy. I'm like reading this, and it's like, uh, that, <laughs> that, 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 thus giving 91 more time. And See, you need to implement the grammar police. Remember you know I what I needed to do? Kids? <laughs> you know what I needed to do? I needed to read that before I came on the air. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. I got your, I got your drift, though. You got the he, wants, he wants a big righty, good shooter, in the middle on the power play. And that is not happening tonight. <laughs> I can tell them that because they practice the power play. And basically, Stamp Ghost is back in the first unit replacing Corey Perry. Yes. Maybe he's we talking about the second unit. Perry is on the second unit. He is. Basil wants to know, maybe more to that point, we talk about the second power play unit. He goes, I'm worried about Sergachev. Difficult to judge from a TV screen, but he doesn't seem to be playing with any confidence, and he makes a lot of dirty plays. He made great strides a few years ago, but seems to be regressing. Is he okay? I think well, he's okay. Health-wise, I mean, he's yeah. okay. Yeah, dirty plays. I mean, he did get the suspension. I don't know if that's what that tweet was referring to. I think Sergachev probably could stand to have a little bit more stability with a defensive partner. I think that may help. Mm -hmm. I think... There was a lot of talk about this year, Dave, going into the season about how he was going to try and 
be a bit more consistent offensively because I, I know it, it bothered him last year, some of the numbers he put up, particularly filling the net, and getting a shot on goal was something that he was looking to do. I, I don't know if I'm qualified enough to really break down his game from the standpoint that um, do I think he's he's struggling confidence-wise. I think his play has been a little up and down this year. I think that would be fair to say, but I, I don't know if I'm concerned about his play. Because I think, especially with a player like Sergachev, who's pretty dynamic, any game, Dave, he could have a, a breakout game where you, you watch what he does. He has a goal and three assists, or he could you know be very physical and, and playing with a lot of confidence. I think Sergachev is a player, especially when he's doing well offensively, it tends to lead to some mm-hmm. better moments for him. Maybe we haven't seen enough of that this year, but I don't know if it's enough for me to be concerned about. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, has he had some games where he probably hasn't played to his standard? I think at the start of the year, I mean, he took a lot of minuses. Some of those were tied to empty net goals, though. What was the one he had a minus five? What game was that? Or it was a it was a big minus, and I think you know he's done pretty well to recover from that. Yes, and um, I'd have to go back and look at that game. I don't want to say was was it the Detroit game, game? Was it the Pittsburgh game or the Detroit game? One of those games. Was it the Detroit game? Maybe it was the Detroit game. I'm just trying to think of a game they gave a ton of goals and. Yeah, um, he has pulled the plus minus up though. There's no question, and I don't know. I think it was the Pittsburgh game, by the way. You're right. It was okay. minus four there. I don't it was think a minus it... seven for the first two games. Right, and I'm just doing a quick check. In the last one, two, three, four, five games, he's not had a minus, and he's been plus four. And he's playing anywhere from 19 minutes on the low end to 23 minutes on the high end. So look, he's getting he's getting his regular time. He's out there on the second power play unit. He's killing penalties. I think he's he's doing what the Lightning are asking him to do. I actually thought he and Foot were a good pair when Foot was in for Chernak, basically in for Chernak. Bogosian was in for Chernak. Bogosian took Chernak's spot though with McDonough, and Foot was playing with Sergachev. I like that pair. I do too. I um I I think. The way the roster is right now, for me, I think the handling of Cal Foots is the one that I'm most intrigued, Dave, just because I, I think, for me, I, I have seen, like, Kachuk, Radish, and Barbule, but specifically Kachuk and Radish, boy, those guys are playing at a level where I know the playoffs are a different animal, but... I, th- I think they would handle that well because of how they're playing. Could be wrong. And I'm really excited to see what they could do in that environment. Plus, I think there's another level for them to get to offensively that we haven't seen. And I'm, I'm, I think they've earned their playing time, and I don't think they're coming out of the lineup anytime soon. I think Foot is kind of in that weird scenario where he's a younger guy that is starting to play better, but they also have a guy in Bogosian who's playing well. Mm-hmm. And you do want to win games right away. And so... What is that nice balance between playing foot and getting him some reps while at the same time playing Bogosian, Dave, who's a veteran who has played well since coming back from an injury? I don't know. We had Brian on that question, and, and remember he answered. We asked Brian that question. Basically, like, the goal is to win, and yeah. it could be a situation where foot and Bogosian are both playing very well, and it might be do they just split some time? Assuming that's the competition, which I think it is. 
Well, Coop didn't really address it today, but he did address it a little bit on Tuesday when it looked like Foot was going to be out. He said, yeah, he's out tonight, but we're going to get him back in shortly. <laughs> so yeah, whether it's for Bogosian or somebody else, we'll see how that plays out. Also, the reality is, I mean, the Lightning schedule is getting busy. And this five-game road trip, the five games are going to be played, what, over an eight-day span. Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday afternoon. So they may want to, not that they have a lot of extra guys, as we talked about, but you know they may work in some some rotations there. And we'll see both goalies, I'm sure. Absolutely. Elliot's got to be excited about that. He's probably going to look at this and say, all right, I can get in a little bit of a groove. Yeah. You know, which is good. One back to back. So I mean yeah. it's possible that Elliot will get one of the back to back games, then Vassi will play all three games in Canada, but we'll see. Yeah. Elliot played well against Ottawa though the last time the Lightning yeah. were up there. He's got good numbers there too. Um Bob wants to know, do you think a home and home back to back that this game will be is a bit rougher and physical, almost like game two of a playoff game? Was there much pushing and shoving after the whistles at that game? What we couldn't see on T V, Dave? Because he's, you know, the extra I didn't stuff. think so. There was the one situation, Kalorn, I forget who we got tied up with. They got they got minor penalties, and we had a four-on-four. I think each game has its own life to it. And in a playoff series, sometimes you do see temperatures go up. But often that happens later in the series. Sometimes it starts that way, and then it tones down. Yeah. Because both teams want to make sure they're not taking any unnecessary penalties and, and playing with discipline. I don't know. I mean, sometimes you see the Western Conference teams and, and there's not as much energy. There's not as much life to it. But I kind of thought when the Lightning saw Minnesota for the first time, that had some juice to it. I thought so. And the Lightning were coming off a game the previous day against the Devils that didn't have as much juice not the reason that they lost but i thought there was a little bit more emotional play and tempers flaring in the minnesota game the first yeah. one when the lighting had that back-to-back at home so who can predict i understand what he's saying like you see the same opponent for the second time in whatever three days that can lead to something but sometimes it doesn't and the first game was not a particularly heated one. I think yeah. my takeaway from the game on Tuesday was how big the momentum swings were. Yeah. So the final stats at the end of the day were very close. I mean, it was 3-3 after 65 minutes, and shots were 33-33. to You can't get much closer than that. But how the teams got to their three goals and how the teams got to their 33 shots, it wasn't like, okay, you shoot one, I'll shoot one. You shoot one, I'll shoot one. You score, I score. It was way different than that. Both teams had segments where they completely tilted the ice. No doubt. We'll see if that happens tonight. As I said before, our coverage will begin at 6. Thanks for those questions. At Bolts Radio. Get them in now or get them during the game or after the game, and Dave and I can address them tomorrow on the show, which will begin noon to 1. Partner, great job. I will see you at the rink in a few hours. All right. See you in a few. That's Dave Michigan. Thanks, Steve Versnick. Thanks to you for listening. I am Greg Lanelli. This has been Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.